Introduce the Daddy Inscripted podcast. My daddy is the creator and host of the podcast, and he said once to get some more sponsors, you can start paying me for these intro spots. So if you either want to be a sponsor or want to be my child labor lawyer, contact my dad at daddyunscripted at gmail.com. Anyway, here's my daddy to start this episode. Thanks for listening. Other than basically, I mean, are you pretty much Packers and Red Sox, or are you also like a closet Hialeah fan? A closet what fan? Hialeah. What is that? All right, welcome everybody to the Fork in the Road episode with Austin Ike and myself. Austin, if you did not hear our primary episode, is a fellow Red Sox fan that I met on Twitter, and he is a stay-at-home dad in the South Dakota area with a really cool story. So if you didn't check out his main episode, make sure you go back and listen to that at some point. But this Fork in the Road episode is mainly about Red Sox baseball. We also talk about, we tie it into some of the parenting issues. We talk about the nostalgia of sports and how the connection can be made with those and a father and his children, as well as some of our kind of own personal experiences growing up with sports, etc. So there is something you don't have to be a Red Sox fan to enjoy this episode. So I'm assuming a lot of you came over from the land of Twitter as well to listen to this episode. So welcome. I hope you enjoy it. And here is my Fork in the Road episode with Austin. Right, and I, I think this was the first year in how long that uh, that no Canadian-based teams advanced to the playoffs. I think yeah. that's right. True, like, end times stuff if you're north of the border, which just made me think of a fantastic, in my mind, fantastic shirt idea that if anybody does roll with this after hearing it, um, I just ask for a small percentage, uh, but... A shirt that says make Canada great again and has all of the logos for the different Canadian hockey teams would be like a. this is the one time that that shirt would actually be humorous and make sense. That's exquisite. I think you could make some money off that. Yeah, seriously. They might not love it as much as I mean, it may not be as hilarious to them as it would be to Americans, but. Uh, I think that would be a great shirt. I like it. I, I hope you can get that off the ground. I I don't know what what avenue to take, but uh, that would be fantastic. So we are here again with Austin for his Fork in the Road episode. Uh, and if you listened to his main episode, you heard how Austin and I came to be, came to meet, came to know each other, whatnot, uh, through the world of Twitter. And basically, thanks to the world of sports and uh, mainly thanks to the Boston Red Sox. So we will be discussing basically that the history, I guess, will kind of go into both of our history. And this will enable some of the people who are my friends who love to uh, ask me and rag on me for being a SoCal native and resident for being a Red Sox fan, especially with some of my prior history of actually rooting for the local teams, which I mean, how can you blame? That's what people are supposed to do. <laughs> but we'll also get into since you are a South Dakota native and and so who would be who are the teams that your neighbor folk or, um, you know, if you, if you go to your supermarket and guys that you're walking around are wearing baseball t-shirts, is it, is it brewers? Who were, who is everybody rooting for out there? The, the most popular local team baseball would be the Minnesota twins. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense then. Uh, I used to live in Milwaukee, uh, for what it's worth. And, and I really enjoyed going to, 
going to Brewers games, but yeah, around here, that's uh, the Twins. It's about a four and a half hour drive to the cities. So if you wanted to catch a game at Target Field, you know, four and a half hours, you'd be there. Yeesh. Um, I I never bought into the argument that of supporting the local team. We live, or I live in South Dakota. There is no local team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of threw regional, regionalism out the window. Uh, my parents aren't huge sports fanatics, but, but dad more or less adopted that. Dad was born in Minnesota, but my grandparents, they quickly moved over to, uh, to South Dakota within, within like three years after he was born. Um, and I know that grandpa took the whole family to the Metropolitan Stadium. This is when Minnesota had, the, the time before the Metrodome, uh, when they had, oh, wow. when they're they going had, way back. Well, 60, when did dad say early, I don't know, early 60, 63, 65, right around there. And, and dad got to catch a game at Metropolitan Stadium. It was actually a ticket giveaway. My grandfather had bought uh, a new Ford and the dealer in South Dakota and the dealership, uh, offered tickets to see the Minnesota twins uh, you know, as incentive for your purchase, for your business, um, which I thought was kind of unique. And especially at the time, you know, the twins were founded in 61. So yeah, it's very early on. Uh, yeah. As a franchise, they were only a few years old, but, but it, it, you know, the, the short of it is, you know, not a big sports family, my parents, that is, and, uh, and me not buying into the whole root for the local team theory, um, I just felt that I was able to choose who I wanted to root for. Um, I remember one of the first, one of, if not the first game that dad took us to at the Metrodome. And you can guess who the twins were playing that day because I left in a hat and a Jersey of that team. And that was the Red Sox. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, that was, you know, in, in that lineup that was, you know, Wade Boggs, Mike Greenwell, you know, Clemens, those, those guys. Um, so, and then the history too. Uh, I love history. Uh, fascinated by it. And uh, Ted Williams just appealed to me. Mm-hmm. My, my grandfather, uh, my mom's dad, uh, when he returned home from the war, one of the first things he did was attend a baseball game at old Yankee stadium and they were playing the Boston Red Sox mm. and he got to see Ted Williams play. Wow. And I'm just like, kind of hate you, but mm-hmm. I love you, but you know, yeah. So I, you know, just, um, it were just those, uh, those kinds of things that, that, that drew me, that drew me to the Red Sox. And then of course, once you finally make that pilgrimage to, Fenway Park, you know, everything just comes full circle. Yeah. And, and it it was great to return, uh, return this year. Uh, it's actually the third year in a row now. Uh, years ago I told myself it would just be every other, but I lied to myself and I'm pretty much going at least once a year now Mm -hmm. because I kind of need my fix. And is that, was that a full family trip or did you just go? This year it was just me. Last year was full family and there's plenty, there's, that's all, it, it was all documented on Twitter. Um, the girls, they love it. They love Wally. They love yeah. the city. They love city, the city. They love Boston. Um, Elena, my six year old, uh, I think she's going to be the biggest sports fan. She, she's, she'll plop down next to me and watch the game. Um, she knows some of the players by visual recognition, which makes me really proud. Uh, and, uh, and we just enjoy our time. And she has asked, I think at least twice this week alone, uh, that we go to Boston next year for a family vacation. And I can't fault her for that. Um, it's, I, it's also my 40th birthday next year. So I think I'm going to get some leeway there and we'll probably work that in as part of the, part of the family trip. Oh yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. So did you play sports as a kid or? I mean, I, I played, I played baseball and football uh, and basketball for varying lengths of time. 
I was uh, very much the proverbial 98-pound weakling, uh, except less than that, of course, when we go back to like, uh, uh, you know, t-ball years, but uh, not blessed with athleticism. And I was undersized and, and very, very unsure of myself physically. I didn't like a lot of physical contact, and obviously that doesn't play out very well. Uh, so my sports careers never amounted to much. Uh, by the time I got to high school, uh, I found out that uh, uh, I was fairly good at uh, convincing an audience uh, to adopt a particular line of thinking. So I got into debate and had some success there. So in high school, I was uh, on the debate team and in the marching band. So I was your quintessential nerd. Oh yeah, big time. Um, that, I mean, and and I I wore that with pride. I was very proud of that fact. You know, a letter nothing says geek like a letterman's jacket with band and debate on it. <laughs> yeah, I was really asking for it. I don't know why I did it, but I brought it on myself. <laughs> That's okay. You've look at look at you now. You like you can turn around at any of those people who judged you. This is this is true. This is true, and yeah. I, I, I always wanted to to do more with sports, but just yeah, it just wasn't me. I'm I'm a much better spectator. There's plenty of dumb athletes out there, and not enough true thinkers. And there's a lot of dumb spectators out there as well. I think sometimes I hear some of those kind of things at even at baseball games at Angel Stadium, and not saying that all Angel fans are dumb but uh, well, what i've gathered from, from twitter and, and they seem to be particularly uh, slanderous toward uh, the los angeles angels or is it los angeles angels at anaheim i i forget they change it yeah it's uh and i think a big part of it truly is history you know even though the angels have been around for a long time there isn't that history and a lot of the people that are fans now you've got three different levels of fans you've got the lifetime fans you've got the fans who came in during the or surrounding the time of their 2002 world series 2002 and then you've got the trouters so the the all new people who have come around during the time of trout and pujols and you know, they don't exactly have maybe the biggest handle on the game and whatnot as well. But it's funny because I, all of, almost all of my friends out here are, I don't have many Dodgers friends, fr- fan friends. I would say that almost all of them are Angels fans. And there are a couple who understand what I am talking about. And, the reasoning behind what I say about how horrible they're, you know, it, we as Red Sox fans will uh, yell and scream and curse about some of the moves of our office, but uh, the <laughs> the ability that they were able to somehow bamboozle the Dodgers into taking that huge trade a few years ago. Uh, is something that has to be said for them, even though it was a move that shouldn't have had to happen in the first place. But the contracts that the Angels have made and the fact that they are still paying Josh Hamilton, who is not only not playing for them, but not playing for his current team either, as well as all of their outfielder contracts and the contract that they now have with Pujols, which is completely ruined them and what they have done to their farm system and everything. It's, it enables me to give uh, the Red Sox brass a little bit more breathing room when I sit and think about how much worse it really could be. Oh, no, no, no question there. Uh, certainly been uh, blessed with the, with some of the deep pockets that ownership has. And, and there have been some good signings and some not so good signings. Uh, I think one of my favorite stories, since we are talking about the angels, I don't 
talk about them often, but uh, you know, you talked about the Trouters, and I don't know if you recall uh, when Mike Trout was drafted, that particular draft pick, if you uh, happen to know its origin. No. You recall a time when Mark Teixeira played for the... Oh, yeah. Yes. Compensation pick. The Yankees gave that up, and the Angels took Trout. Oh, man. And I I relish in that. That's that's a (laughs) double-sided sword that they got both bad sides of. Right. Uh, Teixeira has always been one of those that I am very glad that we did, that the Red Sox did not end up with. For a brief moment, it, it appeared that that may have been the case. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that was an 11th hour like steal. Like, it really looked like it was going to be the Red Sox right then. It, yeah, it, it, it really did. And uh, and I couldn't be more more thankful that uh, that did not uh, follow through. And I got to be honest, uh, talking about first baseman, I was excited when uh, Adrian Gonzalez was brought on board, but of course, uh, the fabled uh, demise of 2011, followed by the uh, Bobby Valentine debacle of 2012, sent him at all uh, packing, and uh, and now we see uh, Anthony Rizzo flourishing in Chicago. Rizzo hurts way worse than Gonzalez. Rizzo, uh, I think a lot of people forget about that because it's it's one of those things that I think is kind of easily forgettable because you never did really see him in a Red Sox uniform on the field. And that may very well be the case with, gosh, what was that kid's name that we just gave up for Pomeranz? Anderson Espinoza. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a name that we may be hearing about in the years to come and be wondering what in the hell we did. Uh, I'm very much on record as being a hater of, of Matt Barnes, but I'm starting to become a believer. It took me a while to warm up to Hanley, you know, while we're on the subject of, uh, of, of what players on your own team do you dislike and or hate? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Hanley's maybe come around and, and, I, and the, the defense, I, I mean, he was just so lackadaisical in left field. But I have to remind myself that he was a career infielder. Right. Up until that d- disastrous experiment left field. My God. Yeah, uh, that was horrible. Uh, just something you don't want to re- – something you wake up to in a cold sweat. Uh, but, you know, he's very competent at, at first base. And uh, and he's also very confident and – I'm on record as a Clay Buckholtz apologist, um, and I'm fine with that. Um, but this year has made it really tough, and yeah, and the the proof is in the pudding. He had a great year last year. Part of me feels responsible. I was at Fenway for that start against the Yankees, that series before the All Star break last year, when his arm gave out and he went on the disabled list. So I feel like a part of a curse or something. I don't know. I still sleep at night and everything, but I, I do wonder. Uh, but, but, you may, but Clay may not be sleeping at night. No, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I doubt Clay is, uh, is sleeping much at night. I know he was displeased with being demoted, and he views himself as a starter. You know, I've, I've always loved Clay. I still will, even if he goes to another team. But you know, the, that's the real part of the matter right now. Is I mean, is this guy just clogging up a spot? Yeah, when you look at your pitching roster, um, I don't. I, I kind of get that feeling. You never know. You know, we we've got dealing Davy Dombrowski now, uh, <sighs> who's just been making things happen. Yeah, for better or worse, depending on uh, uh, depending on whose Twitter feed you read. Can't fault fault the guy for going out and addressing needs. Yeah, I mean he did it in the off season. Uh, you need a frontline starter. Bring in David Price. Now, I know that has mixed reviews, but at the time, it made sense, and I still believe in Price. Oh, you know, it's half a season in, like, you know. Right. I, I mean, I, I'm not overly concerned about that. You've got 
You know, we needed that fourth outfielder. Oh, look. Welcome, Chris Young. Yeah. <laughs> happens. He goes on the DL with a hamstring. Right. Yeah. I mean, injuries have just been – have just really plagued this team, you know. And, and it was really telling that you had to start looking at someone like a Blake Swihart <laughs> as a viable option in left field. I mean, that's insane. I mean – you know, in, in spring training, I really thought he was going to get a fair amount of time behind the plate. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the way the catching has panned out has been shocking all around. I don't like talking about Red Sox catching just because uh, I really feel that uh, Sandy Leone has been snubbed by Major League Baseball. Why he wasn't in the All-Star game is completely beyond me. But that's not, not what I want to make this about. But, uh, you know, oh, this, this, I wrote him in on 25 votes. I did, I did well, all I could. I know. I, I did my part. This is, as I would say on Twitter, the hashtag the summer of Sandy. Um, <laughs> you know, where were you in the summer of Sandy? I mean, this is just this is just a- absolutely magnificent. I mean, the guy's slugging over 700. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about small sample sizes, but he, he he's in there a ways now. I mean, this isn't twenty at bats. <laughs> yeah, and and is he under four hundred after that uh, hellacious one for eight that he just went through? I'm surprised they didn't cut him there. No, I'm kidding. I, I know, seriously. Like, Sandy's at four thirty five for his batting average, and he was uh, what two for four with a triple and a home run tonight. Exactly, which 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 helps out when you're slugging north of 700. Keep in mind that this is a career 659 OPS player. So he, he truly is the Venezuelan Ted Williams. I don't care what anyone else says. Uh, I mean, I, I, I love the hyperbole when it comes to Sandy and Ted Williams. I think it's I think it's magnificent. I mean, the guy keeps on hitting and, and plays a plays a competent defense too. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, he looks just he looks just fine out there, and you've and and you've still got Hannigan and and I hope I hope Vasquez can work everything out uh, in Pawtucket. Um, I know he's an exciting player defensively, but his you know, bat has left something to be desired. It'll be interesting to see where this all ends up. It just seems really like one of those years, and I'm really hoping I'm not jinxing something by saying it out loud, but some of those weird things about the team and the players and the personnel is just, it's kind of one of those very odd things that are all coming together all at this same time where it's, you know, it's not the bearded group or anything like that, but the way Poppy is playing and even pretty Ricky. Uh, I mean, the way Ricky is pitching is totally like kind of under the radar. He's what? 12, 12 wins now. I mean, I don't put a lot of stock in wins, but I mean, he had an incredible run of uh, games with at least six innings pitched. I mean, he was, he was your workhorse. He was Mr. Reliable. <laughs> which was which was always nice to see. I actually got to see him pitch uh, at Fenway the other week when I was out there. Uh, oh, nice! Yeah, the, you saw two games or three. I saw I saw the first two. Uh, okay, I had really great seats Friday night, right behind home plate with Sean O'Sullivan on the mound. Felt a little cheated, <laughs> not gonna lie. Uh, but. Um, that 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 was that was a fantastic experience. I tweeted out a picture of a of a little kid in a Dustin Pedroia jersey uh, who was just tall enough to see over the actual dugout, and he had both hands there. He was kind of resting his chin on his hands, and mm. you know, I think my caption was, "How can you not love baseball?" I mean, it was it was just a, a perfect moment, and you would always see Hoppy's head poking out of the dugout, and he'd look back and he'd wave at you. Uh, there were some kids there in the, in that immediate area, and you know he he grab a big handful of uh, of the double bubble gum and just just toss it at the kids. I know he's throwing bats to kids uh, safely, of course, not 
not with intent. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I mean, he's just a great ambassador to the game, and it's you know it's going to be it's going to be really sad to to see him to see him go. I mean, I wasn't a child when he when he started playing for the Red Sox, but kind of feels that way. Um, yeah, there's just that certain magical quality to it. I mean, I mean that was 2003. You know, I was I was twenty I was twenty six at the time, but just just like wow, what a what a tenure uh, with the Red Sox, and look what look look what he's accomplished, and you know he's you know he's he's hit more home runs than anyone but Ted Williams in a in a, in a Red Sox jersey. That's incredible to me, um, and I don't know how much the players are buying into it, but the whole that win it for Poppy mentality I think really has something there you know you were talking about you know this isn't the the bearded brothers it's not that 2013 mystique but there's a unique chemistry here that you you don't capture every year yeah. um, and there's there's just so there's so much ridiculous talent particularly on the offensive side definitely on the offensive side it's, it's amazing to watch. I mean, just the other day, I remember tweeting out, you know, the Red Sox were the only, the only team, uh, they had, uh, they had four players who were hitting at or above 300 on a season, or excuse me, four that were at or, at or above 300, and then three players that had at least 105 hits. Now they have four players with at least 100 hits, and I know Pedroia's batting average has, has dropped down. But Betts, Bogarts, and Ortiz are all over 300. And your boy Sandy. And our boy Sandy, everyone's boy. We 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 love Sandy. I th- I think one of my favorite tweets about uh, Sandy was from a uh, was from Jared Carabas, uh, you know, suggest- suggesting that ba- basically, you know, I mean, Sandy, this is the guy who's going to win win basically every MVP in the AL and and NL Cy Young awards. I mean, the guy was just that good. <laughs> He's going to win everything. They're going to yeah. hand over all the accolades. <laughs> well, yeah, now that Kershaw's hurt, he can definitely pull ahead in that Cy Young in the NL. I think so. I, I can't wait to see how this all kind of pans out. I, I It's all happening at the exact Ortiz. I mean, though it's a crime that he's retiring A, and B, it's a crime that he's retiring during this time of his career and with this season. But it is it is good. It's you know, I'm sure it's it's way better to go out on top than to fade. Um, but I I feel like it's just the absolute right year for it with not only who is on the team um, starting every day, but where those guys are, you know, um, bets and, and Bogarts and Bradley, um, though they may not all be here throughout their entire career, the fact that they aren't where they were, you know, that Bradley and Bogarts, I mean, to think about where Bradley was last year, I I was, kind of feeling ashamed that I even thought of buying a Jackie Bradley Jr. shirt and was kind of saying at some point last year, man, there are so many people who have who bought his shirt because he was so good in spring training and it just seemed like he was going to be this amazing player and he just really had a pretty crappy year last year, truth be told. I mean, he went down at least once to the minors mm-hmm. and just really, I mean, he was lighting it on fire and I know spring training is spring training, but it just seemed like we, he, he seemed like Mookie bats. Like we were going to have, he was going to be Mookie. Like he was going to be the guy like this all-star um, franchise player. And then he just kind of tanked. And to think now that, Poppy's last season is kind of ushering in and happening at the same time that these guys are being actual strong players and not just flash in the pans, I think is, 
a great time for that to happen for the team in general. Every, everything is coalesced uh, perfectly. And one of my favorite things about this offense is not David Ortiz in particular, but it's David Ortiz related. And it's how Ortiz views the youth of this team. The amount of respect he has for Abetz or for Bogarts, how he acknowledges their tireless commitment to the game, to getting to the park early, to doing the work that they need to. Um, I mean, he's more or less tapped Abetz and Bogarts as, 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 as kind of a, a leadership core when he's gone. Now, I, I will still contend that when he does leave, it's Dustin Pedroia's team, I think, right. from a, leader, from a yeah. leadership vantage point. But I, you know, I think he's absolutely right. And you, you know, and you all, you know, we only get so many years of Xander, you know, he's, he's, he's progressed, you know, he's been with the team uh, longer as far as uh, service time. So you have to consider that. And, you know, is this a guy you can make a play at down the road, uh, buying out arbitration years, free agency years, whatever, when you know that uh, his agent is he who shall not be named. Um, yeah, got Boris, but uh, uh, but uh, you know, I I got to think that's one of the most most endorsing or most ringing endorsements uh, of any players when David Ortiz says, you know what, you have this leadership quality, um, and and it's just demonstrated on the field all the time. And the kid, they're all told, I think they're pretty humble kids. Um, yeah. You know, and it it's they they they've just they've gelled they've gelled well together, and um, and 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 I don't want to leave uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. out of the conversation either. I I think he he is one of the most humble players in all of baseball. Um, he's just out there doing exceptionally well, but also learning uh, from the game and learning from others and and relying on his teammates. It's it's just been a joy to watch, and of course. We're talking about the offense, and that really hasn't all told outside of June, uh, which was, of course, a very dismal month for the team. Um, the offense has been uh, rather spectacular. And, and, I mean, when you're looking over the course of the entire season, they still very much are. When you talk about that, about the um, connection that they all have and the uh, level of humility that they have, it kind of makes you think about the guys who are kind of going to be potentially left out in that conversation. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very interested regardless of, you know, it's far ahead and I definitely want, am invested in this season, but I'm, I'm curious to see where this team goes next year. And, um, especially when you're talking about some of those prospects and Mc- I mean, how much longer, even though he still is a double a Mankata or is he a triple a now? He just had his promotion recently to, to double a. Okay. Even though he hasn't been a triple a yet, like he's, I can't imagine him not being up next year. Maybe not right at the beginning of the year, but I don't know. I'm, I'm already starting to kind of put those pieces of, okay, who takes over at DH? Is that definitely Hanley? Is Hanley even still here? And, you know, how everybody kind of slides into place. And it's going to be interesting over these next couple of years to see uh, what Dombrowski does and uh, how this team looks who we who we hold on to how much we continue to kind of decimate the minor leagues to get major league talent and I don't know I'm I'm interested to see how this all kind of works out with our wealth of minor league players and and how much we use that to our advantage and and how many rizzos we get rid of <laughs> on the spectrum of uh one end being prospect hoarder and the other end being a free dealer. 
I, I'm, I gravitate more toward the prospect order. Uh, just, you know, you get attached to these kids and you see the potential, you hear the comparisons being drawn. Um, you get excited about that. Um, you know, I, I certainly have my list of, of untouchables and, at one time I thought it was Anderson Espinosa, but I, I guess not. And I'm not, mm-hmm. upset. I'm not, I'm not upset about that. Uh, Pomeranz had a rough night, but uh, let's be honest. Uh, uh, the, the, the four and five slots for the Red Sox rotation were, were absolute garbage. I mean, you yeah. just, you weren't, you weren't getting anything. I mean, you were, you were lucky if you were getting a roll of the dice. I mean, it was, right. it was a complete gamble. So, so you've got that, but uh, you know you've got these these freakish talents like Moncada or a Benintendi, um, who uh, are are doing exceptionally well. And, and I'm not going to even speculate on uh, on Moncada and uh, and how he develops. I mean, could he see some time next year? Sure, I don't see why not. I, I think the bigger question uh, revolves around his fielding. No question, the guy can mash, and and again, he hasn't. You know, he, he's just made the the most difficult leap in minor league progression, going from A to Double A, um, and he seems to be handling that just fine, as does Andrew Benintendi. Um, but you know, do they? You know, how do they handle Triple A if and when that transition takes place? Um, you know, not only that, but uh, the defense. I mean. Dustin Pedroia looks pretty locked in at second base right now. I don't yeah. think Moncada is going to be throwing him. So that brings up the dialogue regarding, oh, well, maybe Moncada slides over to third, which I think makes sense. But I know that Dombrowski, his mindset is that we need to have him immersed at one position at this, you know, at professional at a professional level for some time before we start dabbling. But I, but uh, I saw a tweet today that's uh, that uh, general manager Mike Hazen suggested uh, that he may be seeing some time not only at third base but in left field. So I don't know what to make of that. Hmm. Uh, but anytime I, I see left field, I just cringe because that's just become a. <laughs> A black hole. I mean, ever since Hanley was there, it just, uh, I love seeing Brock Holt in the field. Um, I really think his value lies in that super utility role when he mm-hmm. can spell, spell pretty much anyone that isn't towing the rubber or be- behind home plate. He's just that, he's just that incredible and, and, and valuable. I mean, he is truly a, a Swiss army knife out there. Uh, on the baseball diamond, but, um, but you know, there, there are some, some certain needs that the Red Sox have to address there, but, uh, um, uh, I don't wonder if we see Ben Intendi this year yet. I mean, Dombrowski has been kind of quiet about it, but I know his defense is major league ready or, or close to it. And he's been hitting well. I'm just kind of curious to see how this all plays out. I mean, we've still got the rest of July and all, all of August. Does he, does he get that cup of coffee? Mm-hmm. In September, you know, and you know, I don't, I don't know what happens with all the injuries. It doesn't sound like Chris Young is coming back any anytime soon. Um, so, just a lot of uh, unanswered questions, which, which of course is is frustrating to fans. But, uh, but again, as I, uh, as I alluded to earlier, you know, Dombrowski uh, has not failed to, at the very least, go out and address specific needs. Um, so, and, and there's speculation that he might not even be done, uh, acquiring someone else. I would love to see another bullpen arm, especially with our beloved Koji going to the disabled list. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, but, uh, thank goodness that, that Ziegler was, was, was brought up. God. Yeah. Can you imagine if he wasn't? Oh, I, I mean, uh, uh, talk about, uh, talk about a prescient move on behalf of Dombrowski. I mean, that, that was like. It was like eerie uh, foretelling right there, but uh, yeah, it's, it's worked out. I mean, the bullpen still is, uh, I mean, still has some, some chinks in its armor. Yeah. It would be, it would be nice to see another bullpen arm. You know, I, I know they've toyed with some, uh, some shuffling with their triple a options and they just haven't panned out very well. 
I think of Pat Light getting lit up. Uh, oh man, was that a, yeah. was that the Angels game? Yeah, that was the Angels, and I was at a barbecue with probably like half of my Angel fans' friends with it on. Like it, it was at one of my friends' houses. We were in his backyard, and he has two big screen TVs in his backyard by his pool. It was on two other screens inside his house. It was the worst. Did you just want to bury yourself? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to leave the house, basically. Was that 21 so, to 2, I think, was the final score? Yeah, oh, it was so bad. And even his, the problem is he has, not the problem is, but to add on to it, he has three boys, uh, two of which who are old enough to basically raz you with some understanding of the game who are huge angels fans and play uh, baseball at a little league level. So I'm getting it from adults and kids uh, during that entire travesty of a game. That was God. That was one of the worst barbecues I've ever been at because of that. That's that's cruel and unusual. (laughs) It was, Uh, I, I just, I, I was, I was in my living room folding laundry, um, having a beer and, my wife looks at me and she's like, there's really no reason for you to stop now, is there? I'm like, nope. <laughs> no, there's not. So you just, you take, you take your lumps and that was awfully vicious, but you know, they, they took the series there. Yeah. They, somehow took the series. Um, then a series victory against Texas, a series victory against the Rays, um, a series victory against the Yankees. And now a series, a sweep, I, uh, only two games, but right, a sweep, but we can even, we, we can include, I know it's the, the home and away, um, series that MLB likes to do nowadays, but, uh, you know, that was a one and one split out in San Francisco. So that's three. So I, I lump those together and you got another series victory there. Yeah. And they've been, they've been playing some good ball. Um, you know, I, I tweeted out this morning, uh, you know, the, the Red Sox, uh, are uh, have won 13 of their last 20 games, uh, not including tonight's game. And that's, uh, you know, no team in the American League had more wins in that span. Wow. So, I mean, there's, uh, there's, 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 there's some good to be had there. Yeah, and they're going to be coming in here <clears throat> into Anaheim uh, completely different than the two had met in Fenway. Basically Anaheim was, and I, and I called it from the get go before that uh, game. I basically said uh, we, and I think that was the time that we were kind of acting as the slump buster for a couple of teams or a couple of players um, that were just doing horrible. And they were having just destruction games against us at that time. And the Angels were on a horrible slide. And yes, we won the series, um, but the Angels have been have turned it around kind of since then. They, I think, outside of tonight, the last I saw they were up 4-0. If they if they did hold on tonight, they have now won six in a row. So it is a, a little over, a, it's about a week and a half until the Red Sox come into town for a four-game stint with uh, the potential of both teams being very hot at the time. And uh, I'm I'm watching tickets every single day um, on StubHub and Vivid Seats, who are, are neither of them are sponsors, but you're both welcome to sponsor my show um, <laughs> for uh, Poppy's last game at the Big A, which is a Sunday uh, day game on July 31st, which, which will bring me full circle. My, so my history with part of my history with the Red Sox way back when, when we were kids, uh, my brother, who's a year and a half older than I, who couldn't care less about baseball. Now we were big baseball card collectors and his favorite player for, I really couldn't even tell you. And he probably couldn't even tell you what reason, was Yaz and he had every single one 
of Yaz's cards when we were kids um, oh. from his rookie season on, which is a lot. And and my guy was Nolan Ryan. He was like always my ultimate favorite player. Um, Nolan, love him. But so we somehow every night for the three game series at Anaheim during Yaz's um, final season, we ended up getting tickets to every night for field level. But every game we went down to the dugout. Um, got there during batting practice, sat and waited for Yaz to come out, and he never came out. One of the games, I think it was the second game, we went with our dad, and we waited outside the stadium where the buses come out, and we followed the Red Sox bus to their hotel. And this is the only time I've ever done this. And we got out and ran into the lobby, and we had, like, my brother had his Yaz cards and I don't even remember what I had. I had something with me and um, waiting for the players to come out into the lobby. And there were only a couple other people that did it, I think. And we never saw Yaz, but I got uh, Jim Rice's autograph. I got all of these guys autographs that I, that I loved and we never saw Yaz. It was like he took, another car or a different bus or a different entrance to the hotel. We did not see him and we stayed there for quite a while. So the last game that he was there, we were down there again during batting practice and my brother and I were standing right at the right spot of the dugout where some players were coming out and signing stuff, not a lot. And it was the angels were doing their BP And it just kind of seemed like it was kind of towards the end. It was dwindling down and my brother gave up and went over to the angels dugout, like all the way around home plate. And some guys were coming out and he was trying to get their autographs and Yaz came out of the dugout and I was still right there. And I'm like yelling across the field, trying to get my brother's attention who obviously can't hear me uh, across all of that. And Yaz signed like five autographs and the very last one he signed was mine. I had my glove with me to catch foul balls. I had nothing. I didn't have my brother's baseball cards. Uh, He didn't make it over in time. I had to borrow some other kid's Sharpie and he signed my glove and went back down into the dugout. And that was the last we saw saw of him. And So I told my brother, I said, I'm going to do that for Poppy. Like Poppy is my Yaz. What a great story for you with the, uh, you know, Yastrzemski and, uh, and then now Ortiz. I mean, you're covering some serious ground in the history of the organization. In, in Southern California. Right. All in Southern California. I don't remember when, when the Dodgers moved out here, but the basically to go back to what we had kind of touched on before that was my dad's team that he loved when uh they were in Brooklyn basically and he was fortunate enough that they ended up he wasn't from Brooklyn or anything like that but they ended up moving out here and so it was kind of an easy maneuver for him to have his far away team now right in his uh, backyard, which was uh, good for him. And we went to a bunch of Dodgers games and then I basically wanted to root against him. And so I became an Astros fan and Nolan Ryan was already an Astro at that point. So it was like meant to be. And yeah. So do you get guff from all of your local twins fans when you're in your Red Sox regalia <laughs> in my regalia uh, uh typically not i mean you get some salty people you know i think the most common response is hey at least it's not the yankees um mm-hmm. which you know hey which that, is worldwide which is that that's legit i you know l- let the hate flow i i, I did yeah. i want to i, I want i want to feel that hate from you uh because i share it um but uh, nah, it's 
it's not too bad. And, and I've been to a handful of Red Sox games at Target Field, and they're a good, friendly bunch there. And the, not to say that there aren't any passionate fans out there, but when, when I run into passionate fans, <laughs> typically they're, they're, you know, like a Red Sox fan. Or there, there's some, some really passionate Cubs fans around here. Mm-hmm. has that Midwest uh, appeal, if you will. Right. So, um, and I mean, and, and I'm not judging anyone for being a, for being a casual fan, but I just, I can't help myself. I am 100% all in Red Sox and, and it's just, I can't, I don't know what it's like to be a casual fan. I don't understand how you can be a casual fan. I can't live that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the way I, cause I used to be, there was a time when I used to be really, really into basketball and then I kind of went away for a while and I think I kind of replaced it with hockey and I was a huge hockey fan for a really long time. And then I kind of went back to basketball because I was a Celtics fan. And um, once they got Paul Pierce, that interested me a lot more in the team. And so I kind of rode that for a while. And once Pierce and KG went away, I just kind of lost interest really and haven't really gone back to it. And I just... I. Like you said, I I can't be casual. Like I I either have to be all in and want to like wake up and see what the team did and uh, whether it's roster moves or whatever, or uh, I just I I can't really care that much to just oh how are they doing? They've won this week. Oh, that's great. You know, I I I can't do that. It's just not in me really with sports. Yeah, I think it comes down to DNA, you know, how we're wired. Um, you know, if if I miss a game, if I'm if for some reason I cannot watch a game, I'm disappointed. It probably brings a certain amount of elation to my wife, but it stinks <laughs> for, for for me. Uh, but uh, and, and and my kids know what it means to me, and I, I'm I'm trying to share that with them. I'm trying to share share a passion with them. You know, like I said, it's it's something I've started on my own. It's nothing that. I acquired from my dad. I mean, I don't, right. I don't fault him for that. I mean, you know, my dad grew up on a dairy farm. I mean, when he was, my dad was driving a tractor probably at age nine, uh, you know, and he was milking cows. And I mean, he didn't have time for any of that um, at all. And so it was, it was just a little bit different. So like, you know, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, you know, when, when grandpa took the whole family to old Metropolitan Stadium, I mean, that was, that was monumental. That was a big, uh, that was a big deal there, and you know, and and hey, too, it's great you get to catch a future Hall of Famer by the name of uh, Armin Killebrew. So you can't be a, uh, you can't be too mad about that. Yeah, seriously. So that was a certainly a, certainly a, a nice memory for for him. But uh, you know, I I always give him a hard time. I said, I know, Dad, that you know you had your obligations. Uh, to grandpa and to the farm, but, uh, yeah, what, or what a time to, to grow up in, you know, my dad was born in 53. I mean, you know, starting, start following baseball in the early sixties. Oh, that was a beautiful decade for baseball. I just, ooh and awe over it. And I'm like, oh, here I am. I grew up in, you know, I said, what I remember the steroid era, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. You know, that, that became popular. I, you know, I, 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 I was a big card collector and I have actually gotten back into it. Um, and, uh, and that's how I followed baseball for a lot of time, for a long time was through the cards. You know, you memorize faces and names and you look at the stats on the back and there was just something nostalgic about it. And I, I always loved baseball cards and I know they, they aren't really worth what they used to be or, or anything close to it now, but it it will always have kind of that special meaning and remembrance to me for sure. Oh, ab- absolutely. I, I mean, that, that was my favorite memory of childhood. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends as a kid. Um, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, uh, when I moved, it was one of those communities that uh, you really needed to start at the ground level, you know, trying, trying to make your way in at the third grade, as it was for me, uh, was challenging. So I spent a lot of time at home by myself. 
and and baseball cards really got me through a lot of tough times and I remember riding my bike and uh, all the way to the other end of town so I could go to the baseball card shop and spend my entire allowance every week. Never failed. <laughs> yes. Ugh, I remember that too. That's so funny. All my money. Lots lots of miles traveled on that bike. Uh, but, you know, that's that's where I wanted to put my money. And, and yeah, lots of good memories. I, I love looking through it. I haven't bought any cards in a while. I really need to do that. Um, but... Uh, it's a much more expensive hobby now. Yes. And, and it's so different. I mean, there's so when I was a kid, there was basically Tops and Don Russ. And that was really kind of it. There was maybe one other, but I don't I, I remember basically keeping those. Oh, maybe Fleer. And, you know, since then, like my true series of cards, like a full run of them from I think I maybe started in 80 88 or 89 starting to collect again hardcore and you know then it was like upper deck was the card to have and tops was just kind of eh tops is tops and upper deck has really nice cards and the pictures are great and it's got a different surface type and it looks really nice it was like the hd of cards basically they were a game changer oh totally those were like a dollar a pack which which made you gasp for air Mm -hmm. i was paying 35 cents for a pack of tops or a pack of donruss i think now you're asking me triple yeah uh, well, I think we've, uh, thoroughly covered the Boston Red Sox and our wife threatening passion for them. <laughs> so, uh, again, thank you very much for, um, spending so much time, especially since you are two hours ahead of me. And I just looked at the clock and kind of cringed on your behalf. Oh, it's one fifty-three. It's fine. So, uh, thank you very much though. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, this all ended up working out and uh, that we were able to make this happen remotely. You're my first remote guest and I'm excited to be able to spend some more time talking to people that I can't actually sit down with. I can't thank you enough. And if you guys want to follow um, Austin on Twitter and see more of this in print and his hilarity and our shared uh, struggle as Red Sox fans on many nights, He is at Ike, which is E-I-C-H underscore A-J on Twitter. And um, he is a very good follow, not only for his uh, love for the Red Sox, but his love for his three daughters and his family life, as well as being a Packers fan, which we did not touch on at all, uh, which doesn't mean that I have no respect for the Packers. I do. I just figured it would probably end up this way and it stuck with baseball and the Red Sox more so. No offense taken. Again, even off, um, Mike, thanks again for doing this. Sorry it ended up going this incredibly long, but... No, that's fine. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. All right, well, get some good sleep um, and I'll see you on Twitter tomorrow. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, later, Austin. Bye, Tim. And that concludes the episode with Austin and myself for our little fork in the road discussion on sports and whatnot. So I hope you all enjoyed that. Again, you can find Austin at Twitter at Ike, E-I-C-H underscore A-J. You can find Daddy Unscripted on Twitter as Daddy Unscripted. You can also find us on Facebook. And uh, please make sure that you find us on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher Radio, whatever you may use to listen to the podcast. You can also listen to it straight from our website, which is daddyunscripted.com. But if you do find us on any of those other formats, I'd love to hear your reviews. And you can leave a note for me at daddyunscripted at gmail.com, which will also help you 
say a little something more personal if you if there's something you want to say about the podcast or directions you'd like to see us take um, guests you'd like us to potentially have on whether that's you or your husband or somebody you know uh, we'd love to get that information from you as to guests we should be looking for that have really interesting stories to add to the podcast in general so daddyunscripted at gmail.com thanks again for all your support and all of the feedback that you have given me it really means the world to me for all of you to take the time to even just give a five-star review that's something a little extra that you're doing so i do appreciate it and i hope you enjoyed this episode and i hope you enjoy the next one that you listen to bye